Welcome back. Welcome into Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. Take my word for this. I am Mike Casaza. Chris, can you turn the video on? I want to make sure it's actually you on the other end. <laughs> no confirmation, Mike. Uh, we might, uh, I'm not trying to catfish you, but I might be catfishing you. I might be. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. It's a little bit muffled. Yeah. That's because I'm speaking from a high horse. <laughs> oh, boy. What a day. Oh, boy. It, that was uh, an interesting, not even full 24 hours, uh, 12 hours, whatever it was. I mean, we're recording this uh, 8.30 on Tuesday morning. Um, I'd say yesterday around, what was it, 4 o'clock or so. I think I was about to about to go on a walk when you texted me and said you were talking to some agent. And the Culver was gone, and I thought, okay, well, let's get this story out real quick, and then I'm going to go on a walk. And I didn't, because we were chasing down things for the next six hours before I said, screw it, I'm going to bed. And yeah. then and then everything got cleared up after we went to sleep. So uh, yeah. where do you want to start, Mike? Where do you want to start with this? I'd, I'd like to move on, but I know that there <laughs> are a lot of people who are downloading and listening now because they want an explanation. And a lot of the people... To be frank with you, Chris, I don't owe them anything um, <laughs> because they had this all figured out before we did, remember? Oh, yeah. I, as I say, I literal, literally hundreds of messages on Twitter, Facebook, uh, private message on our, on our website, um, replies to tweets just saying, I was an idiot. You were an idiot. We are idiots. All media are idiots. This is all fake news. Derek Culver posted a one-sentence Instagram denying it, and we're all idiots, and this agent is fake. And yeah. that was it. <laughs> I can't believe that people on Twitter got it wrong. I can't either. Oh, like, God. So let's go to the beginning. Yeah. Um, in the afternoon, I'm trying to find the actual time where I sent this text to you. Uh, let me see. Good TV here or radio here. Um, was it a text or was it a DM? Might have been a DM, so it was probably three twenty-eight. Yeah, three twenty-eight. I had received uh, a tip from somebody who is usually good on information on basketball and said Culver is gone. He's signing with an agent, or Culver is gone. He has signed with an agent. To which me, to me, doesn't mean that he's necessarily gone because the rules are such that you can sign with an agent if you certify by the NCAA. And you can still come back to school. You might be able to take money, but you have to reimburse the agent for the money. You can do all that. That's a couple of years old. There's even an exception now where you can do that. You can stay in the draft, go undrafted, appeal, and come back. So by no means does signing with an agent mean that you are done with school. It used to be that way. You forfeited your amateurism and your eligibility if you were with an agent and had professional representation. That no longer applies. So you have to do some investigation. Um, on Twitter, the account for Athlete Sports Management, which is the agency that now officially represents Derek Culver, tweeted that it had signed Derek Culver um, and then two other players, one from Duke, one from North Carolina State. Both of those players retweeted the comment. One of them is Blue Check certified, played for Duke. The omission there is Derek Culver because Derek Culver won isn't active on Twitter. I'm not sure he even 
has Twitter. I know he has had it in the past, but I don't believe now. And that the actual Derek Culver they tagged was <laughs> not Derek Culver that we know. <laughs> so something was fishy there. Um, I looked up the agency, and it, it exists. It has a website. The agent is actually an agent who has worked for other groups before. I believe Kilimanjaro is the one that he worked with before, one of the ones he worked with before, and has his own agency now. He's the, the principal owner. He's the president. Um, his name is Servando Tejeda. Reached out and just said, hey, I'm trying to confirm this. And also, are you an NCAA certified agent? Because I went to the NCAA's website, and they have a library, a catalog, database, whatever you want to call it, of the NCAA certified agent and agencies. And this one and that agent were not on there. Chris, what do you think you're supposed to do at that point? Because I don't know jack about journalism, apparently. Please enlighten <laughs> me. I'm not sure. I, I, for, before I answer your question, can I ask you a question? Um, even though you don't know anything about journalism? Noted. Um, don't you think, what, or, or why is it that you were the only person that called the agent? Really good question. <laughs> Like, I, I saw a lot of reports out there. I saw a lot of reports refuting our stories. A lot of tweets and comments from other journalists basically just talking trash about our story and me and you, the site, everything. But nobody, not a single other person, like, wanted to do the actual journalism part of the journalism. Um, nobody called the agent except you. I mean, I guess it's, it's you always want to get things from both sides. Um, but when Derek Culver is not talking and this agent is on the record, releasing it, offering up contracts as proof. I, I mean, all you, you, you put the story out there of what he said, and I don't see anything wrong with that. And I'm not sure what else you're supposed to do other than that. All right. A lot of fruit in that line. So let's hold that in our hands and go back to the top of this. Um, when the agent tells you he's not certified and he has signed a player that you cover, that's a story. That player that is, is no longer story. on the team. And there is not one person who legitimately does this work that would not go with that. There's not one. And if you are, ask yourself, why wouldn't you write a story that a player has signed with a certified or an uncertified agent and that is no longer eligible? You would do that. Um, yeah, Mike, double check it. I did. I reached out to the university. I reached out to people in the basketball program, and I did not get comments. We've been over this before. When when you do not get responses, it's quite likely that you're working against the clock and that the other side of that conversation is putting something together. So what do you have at that point? You have an agency that says it has signed a player. That player has been known to be in California for some amount of time right now, preparing for something with a round orange ball Probably going to be going pro in basketball, you would think. So when the agent says we've signed him, he's not certified, and the player's out in California getting ready, you have a story that a player is going into the draft. He's not coming back to school. When you're not getting any type of response from the university, you're working against the clock. And at that point, it's kind of my job to beat West Virginia across the finish line. Am I wrong? No, you're not. We've seen this a thousand times. The, the answer is, if the, if the answer is no, they're going to say no. If the answer is yes it's 50-50 chance they're going to say yes or, oh, crap, we got to get a press release out and get this out. That, that, those are your three answers. If, they, if the answer is no, they say no. If the answer is yes, they will say yes or they're trying to beat you 
to the news and get it out. And and we've seen this with everything, every every bit of news all around, um, transfers, signings, uh, injuries, uh, suspensions, anything and everything that we've tried to report. Uh, you know, I've been doing this for 10 years. You've been doing it longer than that. And if they don't answer, there's a very good chance that it's true and they're trying to get something else out instead. Go back to our rapid reaction podcast, the Oscar Sheboy leaving. Mm-hmm. And the anecdote was there was that I got in touch with Huggins and Huggins said, let me call you back. And I called you and I said, yes. this is on. They're going to release something soon on Sheway being out. And then I'll hear back from Huggins because they're, they have, they have a responsibility to release the news. They do. Colbert doesn't owe me anything. He doesn't have to tell me the story. He's going to want it out there first. The agency got it out there first. The news is already out there, right? Yeah. Um, so now you're saying, all right, Mike, you're, you're trying to beat someone. That, that is the job, by the way. Um, you're trying to beat someone to the news. Maybe got a little sloppy. Maybe you didn't bet this as much as you can. Maybe. What am I supposed to do? I have the agent on the record. Agents represent, literally represent players. They mm-hmm. speak for the player. He's a player rep. Um, you should have called Colbert. A lot of good that would have done. What's he going to tell me? That he's not going pro? Because that's what he told the world. And then what do I do? I have an agent saying yes, and I have a player saying no. Do I not write the story? No. Now, the backdrop here is that everything turned out right. So I'll concede that this was fishy. I said as much on Twitter. It's very strange to get an agent on the record saying something that is immediately refuted by the player. I don't care about teammates or fans or anybody else that said that, oh, the player said this. Oh, read this. Oh, look at this screenshot. No, forget you. I don't need that. This is a three-person conversation at this point. It's me taking dictation from the agent and then me taking a very confused look from Derek Culver's Instagram story. And at that point, you just pivot. The story is, what the heck happened? Let's get to the bottom of this. Chris, what the heck happened? Let's get to the bottom of this. Uh, as soon as that happened, as soon as Derek Culver sent out the Instagram story and all of a sudden my Twitter mentions were flooded with screenshots of Derek Culver's Instagram story, uh, my response was, this is one of two things. And and then somebody brought up a good third option, but one of two things. One, this agent is completely made up. The agency's completely made up. This story is completely made up. And Mike just got catfished. Or two... The agency released the news before Derek Culver was ready. And now Culver's trying to save face. And obviously, number two seems like the much more plausible option. Uh, the third option that somebody brought up uh, later, which was a good point and, and something we discussed and looked into, was maybe Derek didn't know that this guy wasn't certified and thought he still had the option to come back. So now he was confused and this was a bad situation. Um, but... It sounds like it was two based off the comments that, that Culver made, ended up making around, you know, what was it, 11, 11 o'clock, midnight, I was already asleep, but that, you know, he wanted to tell people uh, close to him, apparently. I mean, I guess his family knew, but the team apparently did not. Um, so I think he wanted to tell them. But it's it was a strange situation. And then once we started, again, we were working on this, like the whole time that everybody's getting upset and sending us all this stuff. We were still working on it. We were talking to people. I reached out to, because in that tweet that you mentioned and that Instagram post that you mentioned, uh, the agency, they didn't just announce Culver. They announced uh, DJ Stewart from Duke and uh, Funderburk from NC State. And so I reached out to the guys down there at NC State and Duke, and that was legit. Okay, so now I'm supposed to believe that 
this agency is legit for two thirds of this post and then completely made up one third of it. Like that doesn't make any sense. Like this is so pretty much obviously, you know, the, the situation that it ended up being, but you know, we got to set search all options and, and it was a very strange, very strange situation there for a while. Yeah. So let's go over the options here again. Cause you've laid them out there too. The second one is what happened. You're right. This probably got out there before he was ready to release it. Remember it's, it's, I think I want to say like three o'clock is when the, the tweet went up. It's noon in California. Derek Gore is out there on a job interview, basically. He's working on basketball. He's working on interview prep. Um, I'm not sure that he is down to business at like 11 a.m. and is telling people, hey, I'm out. Because this apparently had just happened. Um, what I've learned is that maybe Friday paperwork was signed and submitted and that it was all done on Sunday. So that's a pretty short turnaround Sunday to Monday for a guy whose life is changing. He's probably pretty excited and happy about living out in California. Are his priorities to um, make this right with his coaches and teammates? Evidently not. Should they be? That's a different conversation. We have the answer, though, right? So the catfishing thing is funny. And this is what's absurd about this. It's funny, and we're, we're into this like weird conspiratorial realm and people like to think that the media gets stuff wrong, right? Mm-hmm. It's out of control. This, this, this theory portends that a guy assumed the name and identity of an agency, created like a shadow agency in New York City on Fifth Avenue, had an office number and a cell phone number and an email account that we tried and tested all three. They're all legit. They all work. Um, and then decided to presumably create two other Twitter accounts for the purpose of just retweeting a tweet that said that they had signed them, all to get me (laughs) to take the bait? If you thought that, disconnect. Just disconnect. The rest of this isn't for you. (laughs) Like, like that, that was in my head for a minute and I was like this would be a pretty embarrassing thing and then I remember like Manti Teo and that whole thing and I don't know perhaps so many years later someone's trying to repeat that no get out of here that's not what happened right so you just go back to the two obvious ones here you eliminate the the most ridiculous and you focus on the ones that are most obvious and then did he accidentally sign with a certified agent that's a major major problem or an uncertified agent that's a major major problem that is a failure of the infrastructure that happened Um, or did it get out and, and maybe he thought it was going to be more celebrated and more publicized than it was. And a guy who is very active and prolific on Instagram, he didn't get quite the graphic that he wanted on social media. And he wanted to do it on his terms or he wanted to have a bigger um, celebration announcement, possibly. I don't care. The agent put it on the record in Twitter, not with me. Put it out there. That That's in like, do they have a great, robust Twitter channel? No. Not a lot of agencies do. This is apparently a pretty small operation. The guy who broke off and did his own thing. And maybe he's got an intern. Maybe he does it himself. I don't know. But, like, announcing it on Twitter is not the priority. The priority is this guy's out in L.A. on the agency's dime and is trying to get ready for the draft. Like, you're working on workouts. You're working on Zooms to get him more comfortable and accustomed with the questions and answers he's going to encounter in the pre-draft process. You're trying to figure out who can work him out and when. How do we get him back to Morgantown to move? Um, How do we make this right with... um, you know, the paperwork and all that stuff. There's a million different things. The Twitter announcement is not high on the list, obviously, because we saw what the Twitter announcement was. 
So then you just have it, you, you take all this extracurricular noise out of it that is fun to talk about or is fun to make possible in your mind. You strip all that away and you just have two very simple scenarios which kind of overlap, which is that this was real, it was happening, and it just got mucked up a little bit toward the finish. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, before we get into the uh, you know, the actual impact of this, um, just, again, on how this story came out, how it all evolved and the reaction and everything, I am, this may sound strange since, it, you know, I, I work in the media business and I, yeah, you know, I darn well love to tell everybody what they should think about things. That's like one of my favorite things to do. But yes, please think for yourselves, think for yourselves. But, but if you put your, what's that old saying? If you put your ears to the ground and you hear hoof prints, think horses, not zebras. Like if if it's if it seems very obvious, like it seemed very obvious last night that, you know, that it just came out and the announcement was mucked up. Like you said, that the agency announced it before Culver was ready. That's probably the answer. The answer is not some big conspiracy of, you know, Mike and I working together to, you know, do something weird and crazy and that there's some catfishing guy in new york uh what somebody was pulling up address shots of the the street address and saying it was a hardware store uh all this stuff like it think horses not zebras that's just let me just leave it at that i promise you we're good at this are we the best no we're the worst no we're good at this we know what we're doing and like i don't you don't just see that and write the story you you do your homework you look up you, you look people up you try to figure out if they're certified and when you figure out they're not certified you certainly ask a lot more questions i talked to a lot of people before i wrote the story like and then it wasn't just something that you wing and you put together like and and again if you thought that disconnect this is not for you like that's not what we do we've never done that before we're i we confess to this a bunch we're we're conservative sometimes on things like we don't go forward with stuff because we don't have it quite far enough down the road and then it'll come out that it's true how many times does that happen chris yeah yeah i think and just to remind like to to your point about how much work you put into it before the story went up was you know i i think the tweet went out like almost a full hour before you know our story went up because because you were getting in touch with the agent, you were talking to people, you were doing the background stuff, because it's surprise, if you see something on social media, that doesn't always mean it's true. And, and so Mike went and did all this background work and, you know, did a thorough 
a pretty darn thorough job of, of f- trying to find out what was going on and getting quotes when no one else was. Yeah. So again, when you throw out fake news or false news or whatever it was, I understand it's 2021 and people are going to rally around that too. But man, that's weaponized so much. And it's not fair to a lot of people here. And then like Culver is one of them. The agent's one too. A lot of people are dogging the agent. The agent's the only guy who's been honest and open the entire time. Yeah. Why are we dogging the agent? Servando Tejeda. Uh, thank you to him. Like he was, he did not waver. He did not trash anybody here. He took the high road on stuff. I talked to him several times yesterday and he just reiterated things and he wasn't going to say anything bad about his client. He wasn't going to say anything bad about the school or the head coach who was out there contradicting the reporting. He just simply kept saying he signed. I don't know what to tell you. He signed like, and, and that's fine. Like and at some point you trust him or you don't um, me, like I'm in the middle of all that stuff. It's, it's, it's not one or the other. It's something you figure out what it is and you only know when you know, and now we know, um, it, it just it's just a, a ridiculous thing to go back and forth about on this stuff too it's a weird story i get it and it goes and i did it it goes from he's gone to something's fishy let's figure out what it is because if you have a guy who's just lying that he's an agent and lying that he's representing culver then the whole system is screwed up and we got to figure out what happened do you really think that a guy just made up that he was an agent and had signed a client like Derek culver why <laughs> Why would you do that? Why would you think that? So something was wrong and it was obviously ill communication and we know what it is. Um, it's it's just a, a weird thing. And, and again, blame the media all you want. This was not Mike's sources. This was not sources tell ear sports or according to 24-7 sources. It's the guy who represents the agent. Again, literally represents the player. That's the player representing his job. You talk to him. You talk to hundreds of these guys during your career. They speak for the player. They get you in touch with the player. If Culver's out in California... WVU is not going to get me in touch with him. Culver's number, by the way, is not the same as what I have on my cell phone. Evidently, it's changed in the four or five years that I've had that number. So that didn't work. Tried that one. And you get in touch with the player through the agent. That's how it works. So if you think you know these things, maybe restructure your thinking a little bit. And also just, just step back and say, this is too weird. You know, if it's too good to be true sometimes, oftentimes it is. And if it's too weird to be the reality, oftentimes that's true too. Now... West Virginia moves on without a six foot eleven, without shoes seven foot and one half inch, seven foot three wingspan, stretch four. And let's pause there. The language from the agent in the article. He's making jumpers. His ability to hit the three. He can guard the pick and roll. He can guard one through five. Everybody said to me, that should have been a red flag, Mike. You should have realized this guy wasn't an agent. He's never seen him play. Do you know what an agent does? <laughs> That's what they do. They talk their people up. They make their guys seem like the guy. All of a sudden, the guy has shaved tenths of a second off his 40 time. He's grown an inch. He's knocked out his shooting range two additional feet. That's what agents do. It could be true. It could be fabricated. It could be somewhere in between. But they talk up their players, and that's just a quote in the story at that point. It's a guy talking about why his player made the right decision and how he's getting better away from WVU and preparing for the draft, which is apparently what the agent and Culver agreed was true, that they would make the improvements they needed for the NBA in the pre-draft process. Now, there is a hole in the roster at West Virginia. As recently as the end of the season, after the Syracuse game, we wrote and we talked about might be better off without Derek Culver, or a returning Derek Culver might not fit best on what they do. It all depends on who returns and who they add to the roster. In so many weeks since then, Chris, Never mind what happened yesterday. Um, 
that seems entirely true that they might be better off with Clover playing a diminished role or a lesser role and now no role at all. But also the players they've added is going the players they've added are truly going to redesign the way they play. Yeah, this is all about fit. Um, I, I, I wanted to make it clear in my analysis piece the other day, like Derek Culver is not a bad player. He's not, period. You know, the, the Culver haters and, and people have accused me of being one of them. Uh, it's, it's not true. He's not a bad player. However, with the way that West Virginia has changed their scheme, with the way they have changed their approach, especially on the offensive side of the ball, and with the other personnel on the team as it stands now, it's just not a good fit. Because what West Virginia needs is a big man who on offense can get out of the post, can swing the ball around, can play in the high post, can come out on the perimeter some, and will just crash the boards and do not much else. On defense, they need a guy who can uh, is is great and healthy, can do guard the pick and roll, and can defend the rim. None of those things that I just described on either of the ball is what Derek Culver does well. Which again, that doesn't make Culver a bad player. It just makes him a different player. He's a very good offensive player. He's good in the low post. He's big. He bangs down low. He's going to go overseas and he's going to make, you know, quarter of a million dollars a year playing basketball by the beach for eight months out of the season. Um, so there you go. But then the fit and the changes that West Virginia's made by adding these transfers in Kerrigan and um, Polycap made it pretty clear that, that they were trying to fill those roles that West Virginia needed because both of those guys are defense first, rebounding first, sh- block a lot of shots, and, and that just seems the way they're going. And you're going to combine those two with Gabe, and between the three of them, I think maybe you see a little bit of quote-unquote too big lineups, but neither of these guys are, you know, none of the three are 6'11", like Derek Culver, or however tall we're saying Derek Culver is right now. Um I think you might be able to see like the two of them play together. Now, granted, that might kind of hurt you offensively, but it, all three of them also have issues with um, foul trouble. So the, the three of them combine them together and try to get a combined like 50 to 60 minutes between the three of them. And I think you're good. Oh man, you're playing two together. <sighs> Not much. I, I wouldn't do it much. I, and I, and this is what I said back even before the year with, Shibway and, and Culver still when when Huggins was dead set on that two big lineup is I would have played both of them 25 minutes a game with like five minutes each half of two bigs. I would use the two big look as the as the mix up that throws the other team off rather than the standard. I just wonder if like last season we had a Thurman Thomas Barry Sanders in the same backfield thing and it just never it never worked. Right. Yeah. So. Could you do it again? I don't know, but I think these are just different. You may have, again, you may have a way to be big and be double big. That's better than last year. I think that's probably accurate too. Um, so that's that's an interesting thing too. And, and on the Culver back or not thing, if he comes back, I don't like what I saw from him when it comes to his motor in the final. I don't know, eight games. Let's yeah, say, I yeah. think. And I don't think that a guy gets that back, especially when. He's tried for the NBA. The NBA has come back and said, go to school. And that's evidently what that, that's what happened. They put the evaluation in, and it was not great feedback for him. Um, so you tell that guy, work harder, run harder, endure everything you did for one more year, and you'll get maybe a chance to get drafted. Not a chance to get drafted, maybe a chance to get drafted. I wonder if he's going to rev it up. 
for 31 plus games. I, I have a hard time believing that. And again, there's there's not a lot of playing time ready for a guy like that. A guy who's not going to run down the floor and a guy who's going to have to camp out on offense and a guy who's going to be at the rim on defense but not above the rim on defense. And again, that's not saying that because he's gone now, but like that's that's the reality. And I think about the NCAA tournament game and not even the two games, not even like Janai Broom having success against him and blocking his shot without leaving his feet. And I'm not talking about, you know, not being able to file out Dolishal from Syracuse when he played like 20 minutes of four fouls. I just remember like sequences where you could tell that they could use their big to get their offense going and back it out, high post. And then, you know, when Dolezal drove to the basket and got a layup, all of a sudden that backed West Virginia off. They were getting really close and all of a sudden the lead widened up again. And just being able to use your four or your five to do something like that is important too. And if you've watched, again, if you watch the Kerrigan highlights, and if you watch the Polycat highlights, you know, they, they high screen and they dive. Um, they may not catch it every time. They may not get it past every time, but they're going to dunk or they're going to be active at the rim and they're going to take a guy with them. And that's going to give guys a chance to finish at the basket. And if West Virginia wasn't finishing at the basket, if McBride and Sherman and McNeil and whomever else couldn't make layups or couldn't make contested, you know, shots at the rim, a lot of times that's because you could come off Culver or, or Osaboyan or somebody like that and you could use four arms up there to really convolute the space above the rim. You're not going to be able to do that when you're worried about Kerrigan or Polycap jumping up and catching a lob or stopping their cut, catching a bounce pass and dunking. You're going to have to pay attention to those guys. And that wasn't a game they had. They didn't have lobs and bounce passes to Culver and Sheebway. Like, we freaked out when they threw the lob pass from McCabe to Njai against Kansas State, was that? Mm-hmm. I, I, like, I almost fell out of my chair in my office. But, like, that was the one time you saw that, and it was with neither one of the two who play the most. It's not part of their game. They wanted to do stuff like that. How many times we talked about roll and replace? It never really took off last year. And there were flashes where Osaboyan was really good as like a point at the top of that five out, and he could whip bounce passes inside the layups. You can do that with Osaboyan. But now can you do stuff where Osaboyan could cut, catch a pass, and dunk? I don't know. I haven't seen that. Maybe. But that's what Kerrigan and Polycap can do. Colbert couldn't do that. And if they wanted to play this way, yeah, you could easily argue now, well, one, they have no choice, but two, they may be more able to play this way. That's your bright side, I guess. Did you see the uh, the, the numbers I put in my analysis from your boy, Evan Miyakawa? Yeah, I like it. Um, only three lineups for West Virginia this past season uh, that played at least one possession per game on average uh, were negative, like negative efficiency margin. Only three. All three head Culver. And I said in I said in the the piece maybe this is a discussion for another day but maybe it's a discussion for now. The two most used lineups were also the two worst lineups. Um, Culver Bridges Matthews McNeil and McBride. Culver Bridges Matthews Sherman McBride. Um, do you want to address that now, or should we save that for another day? I mean, they've gotten rid of some players who were not productive. They, they were. And like, again, if you're, if you're playing pickup ball and you're just watching guys run around and, and play pickup rules, and then you got to draft a team. Like, I really think you're taking Kerrigan and Polycat before you're taking Evan Matthews, just because the, like, this is a bad thing to say, I'm sure, but like toughness or whatever it takes to play for Huggins. I'm not accusing Evan Matthews of not being tough. Like for him to stick it out for three years, props to him. Okay. But, so I want to be careful here, but like he could get boxed out, he can get knocked down, he could get moved out of the way. 
And I don't think he had great reactions to those things. Um, I think he was slow, slow off the ground sometimes. I think that he kind of carried one possession to the other on stuff where if it didn't go well or if he couldn't get to a spot or if he got pushed backwards, I think that kind of stuck with him a little bit at times. I don't see that from Polycap, and I have not seen that from Kerrigan. Um, I haven't seen as much of them, to be fair, too, but I do think that you upgraded there in addition to taking parts of the lineups away that just weren't very good. Now, are they going to be suitable replacements? Who knows? That's the idea. That's the roll of the dice, though, too. Um, You're probably getting to this, though, too. What of the players who were still in the draft? Don't know. Haven't heard a whole lot either way. Again, I've just kind of held to the the same point here that I don't believe that Sherman's in there with the intent to come back. I think McBride's very open to being 50-50 about stuff and knows he has a future here where he could really improve his stock. I think it's a harder argument to make for Sherman. And then McNeil, I think, is just curious about the feedback. And if he if he shows off and does well and people say stay in the draft, he might do that. But I think he's just doing what you're supposed to do. It's foolish not to try this out, and he's doing the right thing there. So don't know about them. You could see all three back. You could see two of the three. I'd be surprised if you saw just one of the three. But we'll see. Can those guys on the perimeter make this work? We're talking about the post guys. Ultimately, it's up to the perimeter guys so they can make this work. Let's uh, let's end it on this real quick, unless you got something else you want to add. I got uh, a question. We'll, we'll pluck it from the Q&A since it's uh, so intricately tied to this conversation. What was the more drama-filled and crazy process and why? This Culver decision, the transfer of Oscar, or everything that happened with Sags? So what do you mean from like... A bird's eye view or from being involved in it or what? I don't know. I, this is from 2146 year. I'm just reading it as it was, as it was posted on the, on the pod. He, he, as he noted, this is my podcast bait question. Um, it's it's bait and I'm biting, but we're not going to put it in the uh, Q and a pod. We'll put it right here. Yeah. So this one was recent, so it's going to be a little bit biased, but I, I'm just surprised by the vitriol and the toxicity that was involved in this one where it wasn't like we just anonymously reported this. It came from the agent. So it's it's almost like an outlier and, and ridiculous. The SAGS thing was so prolonged. And to be honest with you, that was not very much, that was not very well hidden beneath the surface. You could see where that was going. There was obviously a distrust between the player, maybe his family as well, and the school and the medical. And that's not going to get resolved. It's just not. When you're talking about, oh, we'll, we'll play Shibway, Culver, and Kanate together next year. Come on. Come on, right? That stuff just never was going to happen. That seemed very transparent to me. And then the Shibway thing, I would think that's the most unusual because it was so quick. And again, not very well hidden beneath the surface, you know. And then it happened so fast afterwards. And then I think the surprise was that they ended up going to Kentucky. They ended up going to Kentucky. Good there. Uh, which maybe wasn't supposed to happen, but also was supposed to happen all along. I would say that was the most surreal because it was happening right in front of us. Like they were saying the, the quiet part out loud, if that makes sense. And it was happening right in front of us. Number two would be Kanate because it was so prolonged and so obvious, but also so often teeming with optimism that it could actually be reined back in and preserved. I just think this culprit thing is an outlier. I really don't think it's that complicated or dramatic. I just think it's that exactly what we've explained that maybe he wasn't ready for the decision to happen, or maybe he made a mistake, which we haven't even gotten to that. Like, how, how does the university let him sign with an agent that isn't certified? Like, do they not know that? Or is that just a situation where he can do that on his own? That's kind of a weird thing. That's a whole other conversation, probably for another podcast. Maybe there's a Q&A on that one. But I just put this one aside because I don't I don't think it's that. It's strange. Don't get me wrong. 
I don't think it's that dramatic, not because it happened fast. I just think it's very obvious what happened here. I'm with you. I think the 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 Sags one, the Oscar one. I mean, those two are so different for for, for the length of what how the the whole process, the whole situation, as you noted, like Oscar was just like he's on the team and he's starting, and then he's gone, and that was it. And Sags, you know, the whole Sags situation was there for like a whole year. But man, I just all the twists and turns with that, and then all of a sudden it's coming back and. They're in the NCAA tournament, and oh, hey, maybe Sags because you were there, right, at that at that game, right? And he's like, oh, maybe Sags is going to play in this one, mm-hmm. uh, or he got hurt, and oh, maybe that's his knee, and maybe this is it, and maybe he's coming back, and maybe he's not, and uh, that one, that one would be number one for me just because of the length of of how long. I mean, I felt like that went on for over a year of of just arguing, fighting, hurt, not hurt, leaving, not leaving. Family's mad, Huggins is mad, team's mad, Sags is mad. Now we're all good. So that would be number one for me. But I'm with you on this Culver thing. Like it, it seemed like a pretty obvious thing, and and the pretty random, just very strong vitriol, as you said, just just hate for the story for some reason um, made this one just strange. Yeah. I just keep thinking now the a common denominator in all this is Huggins being really miffed by third parties. Mm-hmm. Thinking about Kanate, he was upset with the brother and some of the people who were trying to pry, I mean, an all-American quality player away from campus. Yep. Think about Shibwe, third parties, whispering in his ear, trying to get him somewhere different. And then this one here, um, again, I don't, again, I, I have a hard time blaming the agent on this one here. And I know people want to say, oh, he's sleazy, he's an agent, agents are scum. Listen, that may be true in a lot of quarters. That may be inaccurate in a lot of quarters, too. But the guy's been honest the entire time. He did not solicit this information. He answered an email and then a phone call from me. And then he's been honest the whole time and would not get in the muck about it. And it's I'm sure he shared that he was not certified. Now, now you wonder, because, again, sometimes the things are happening beneath the surface and sometimes they're not. So now you have to look at this and be like, well, how did this happen? Why did this happen? Did the university screw up or did the university get duped here? Because I think the university has to have some sort of a, a way to get these third parties in line. And that might ultimately be the legacy here is what do you do? How do you, how do you better police these third parties here? Because that seems to be a common denominator in the three stories that are referenced here, which by the way, are three of the bigger personnel or even overall stories the past couple of years. Yep. Oh my god! I think let's let's get ready to wrap this up here, and because um, again, I have we're so much more to say though, Chris. Believe me, <laughs> I don't doubt it. I don't nope. doubt it. But we got we got to get we got to get off because now we got to do the Q and A podcast that we were supposed to be posting this morning. Um, yes. We're gonna get this one up, and then we're gonna hop right back on with each other and record um, the Q and A podcast. And again, it, usually this that runs on Tuesday, but we're running this Tuesday, and we'll run the Q and A podcast uh, likely on Wednesday. So. Uh, uh, Mike, anything else you want to add on this before we go? Said my piece. Until next time, I am Mike Kazaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you later.